You're listening to a Broadmoor Podcast production. On Sunday, Pastor Josh covered all of Chapter 9 as we continue through our series in Romans. In today's episode, we're talking about the four things Josh mentioned to keep in mind as we wrestle through the tension we might feel throughout this chapter. We also discuss some specific questions like, how can God find fault in people if Scripture makes it clear that He is sovereign and either hardens or softens hearts toward Him? And what is at the core of our struggle to understand and categorize the difficult things we find in Scripture? It's a great conversation today, and we're glad you've joined us. Welcome to After the Message. All right, guys, welcome to the podcast this week. <laughs> hey, Mike. It's good to see you. Good it morning. is fantastic to be seen. It is, isn't it? <laughs> I'm just, uh, we're still all grinning about the uh, little vocal warm ups we were we're doing. We're not warm, ago. we're ready. Got my coffee. <laughs> Got my vocal warm up. Yeah. So we were, yeah. And we were talking about what? Burr grinders and. Burr grinders. Yeah. Grinding coffee. That's right. I thought you said bird grinder at first. <laughs> oh, well, wow. Uh, I feel like there's some environmentalists that, that probably wouldn't appreciate that very much. Okay. Neil doesn't love nature. Do or you just, grind? Or just some birds that wouldn't appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> bird uh, grinder. Although there are some birds around my house that I wouldn't mind grinding up sometime because, you know, they can get pretty annoying. I like chicken sausage. Come at it. Put a little apple, a little bacon. That didn't take long at all for us. <laughs> anyway, well, everybody have a good weekend. It was a good yeah. weekend. Yeah. Good. Yeah, lo- I, I like the rainy Saturday. It, mm-hmm. You know, it, it just kind of stormed and it was cold and it was great just to sit mm-hmm. and read and not do a lot. I smoked a lot of meat on Saturday. I saw that on your Instagram. Yes. Yeah. It was fantastic. And so... Um, I had to I had to get creative with the the smoking apparatus. Uh, I used a green egg this time, and normally it sits out from out under the house. And as it started raining, I had to pull mm. it in, and so you had to manage the smoke. Yeah, I did. It was it was fun, a lot of fun. Huh. Yeah, well, I thought like you didn't ask for the story, but here it is. It, I set it up for a twenty two hour smoke, really long, low and slow. Uh, so I was doing a, an eighteen pound brisket and. It ended up being a, a 22-inch brisket, but my egg is only 18 inches. Mm. Um, so I had to get creative and cut some pieces and tint it and the whole nine. So anyway, it was supposed to take 22 hours by my calculations. My calculations were way off. Mm. Uh, so I use a, something called Meter Plus. Yep. Uh, meter is a, a little probe that I you put it. in. I love it. Yep. Tells you the inside of your meat, tells you the ambient temperature all in one stick. Uh, and so it tells me how long it's going to take. You should listen to technology when it speaks to you because I'm like, no, that thing doesn't know what it's talking about. I know better. So I go to bed on Saturday night and it's raining and it's cold and my ambient temperatures run a little bit hot. It's like 250 and I wanted it at like 225 and it's got an alarm when it when it gets close. So my mm-hmm. brisket, I want to pull it off at 205. That, that's the magic number for me. Um, and I was trying something new for this one. So again, you're going to nerd out on, on brisket here. Brisket has a fat layer, and a lot of people put it up on top so it can base through the meat. I've read some research where it says, hey, try it upside down and put the fat on bottom. That way it protects the meat and keeps the the heat from getting to it. So I went upside down, and I went a little bit hotter, and I thought, okay, it'll be fine. 
Well, I wake up to my alarm. I thought it was my my phone alarm to get up to ready to go to church. And it was my meat alarm saying, hey, pull this thing off. It was at 209 at 445 on Sunday morning, freezing cold. I run outside. I'm like, oh, no, this is going to be terrible. So I walk outside. The dogs are going nuts. The kids are awake. And I'm like, what is going on in my house? And it was the most beautiful brisket I've ever seen in my mm. entire life. It was, oh, wow. it was fantastic. And you it, didn't bring any in for us this morning. We ate it all. <laughs> but I say all that to say it was woefully short of my goal for 22 hours. It only went 14 hours. Wow. Um, which is still a long smoke. Uh, and I was proud that the egg lasted for the 24 hours. Looked at it. Still had a ton of coal still in it. All that to say it was an early morning yesterday. Wow. Wow. I feel like, it yeah, was I feel like we could sit here for a while talking about this. We should topic have a meat podcast. A meat we podcast. should, you know, that'd be great. Although I feel like other people have done that because <laughs> <laughs> I, I listen to them all yes. the time. Um, Super fun. Anyway, but rather than smoking meat, we are here to talk about um, Romans. That so, was your transition. Romans so. 9. That's so, what you had? Well, you got a better one? <laughs> no, I was waiting in curiosity to see what you were going to do with it, though. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I figured we'd just go right. straight for it. All right, yeah. go. By the way, uh, so sitting around the room today, we've got uh, Sean Selman, Josh Braddy, and Neil Marsh, and of course, Chase Hammock. Chase. Um, running our <sighs> audio producer extraordinaire, um, and occasionally talking off mic and giving mm-hmm. us truth Re- bombs redir- and Redirecting truth us. Bombs. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, so we covered the entire chapter nine of Romans mm-hmm. Sunday, which was a lot. Like that a whole lot. There's a lot like, of chap- a lot of verses in it for sure. Like you were booking it, um, booking it every week for sure. Uh, but right. you know, funny enough, there are a lot of weeks that I feel rushed. I didn't feel rushed this week. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess. Yeah, you did a great job of covering a lot of material, yeah. a lot of ground. Um, but I think keeping us focused mm-hmm. on the core of it. That's right? yeah. And so that that was what was good. Speaking of the core of it, let's talk about because you started your message. I mean, very early on, you you. You talked about four things that, as you went through the chapter, you wanted everyone to remember. Right. Like so. So, as we talk about all these things, here are four things that you need to you need to remember. Now, I'm going to paraphrase, uh, but one uh, was that God is 100 percent sovereign over everything. Yes. Uh, two. The second thing is that man has free will. Correct. Three. Uh, the only way someone is saved is that God saves them. By grace through faith. Uh, and then fourth, only people, the only people who spend eternity in hell are those who reject God. And so, um, so what, talk to us again about the reason why you felt like it was important to point out those four things before we started talking through the chapter. Sure. And I think specifically this section of Romans um, is easily um, where, where we live. And, and what I mean by where we live, I don't mean Madison, um, Mississippi, Southeast United States. I mean, kind of Western culture when it comes to religion, like our, our mindset is we want to figure things out. Um, and, and most of these people in the first century, that wasn't their idea. They their goal wasn't necessarily to figure things out. They, they were just, tell me what I need to know. And I want, I want to be obedient to that thing. So, right. so the way that their mind worked wasn't to sort everything out and have everything nice and neat and in order, but that is where we are. And so sometimes mm-hmm. when we read a New Testament letter, we're going to read it through Western eyes, and it's going to cause some concern in us that potentially causes us to chase rabbits that were never meant to be chased. 
uh, or, or cause us to, to go places we were never meant to go. And so I used the illustration that I, I used, um, you know, being in Bangladesh, fearing the, the Taliban officers coming in and, and fearing the earthquake. Well, that was everyday life for those guys who were there, and they weren't fearful of it. It was just like, mm-hmm. man, that's just what happens. Let's keep going. It's a great day. Um, and for me, a Westerner who's not used to that, I was absolutely right. terrified. So when we come to, to the scriptures, particularly the section, if we're not resolved in, in, in the truth— then potentially we are going to to quickly run down this rabbit trail or this rabbit trail and chase something that we have never meant to. So in, in these four things over the course of this section, chapters 9 through 11, these are the four non-negotiables, mm. um, non-negotiables of Scripture in totality, but particularly this section. So you talked about how the, the, the audience, the original audience that Paul was writing to, uh, you know, they would have thought completely differently mm-hmm. about this. So what is the difference? Is that a cultural thing? Is that a, uh, a is that a period in history that's that that makes that different? Why is it that we think about these things differently than they would have? Yeah, I'll I'll start, and anybody else can jump in. This isn't just true two thousand years ago and today. It's not like it's a two thousand year gap. This is still a. I think a Western Eastern gap. If you've ever done a mission trip away from America, mm-hmm. and I would, mm-hmm. I may even say an American gap to everything else, we want to figure everything out. So, for example, you can go, you can go to Haiti. I'm just thinking the last couple of years. Go to go to Haiti. Go to the Dominican Republic. Go to Mexico. Go go to Europe, and you sit down for dinner. There's no time frame. You sit down, and it's hours. And the mm-hmm. goal isn't to keep looking at your watch. The goal isn't expedited service. The goal is to sit down and enjoy family, enjoy food, enjoy drink. Like all of these things, that's what it is. But for us, even if we go to a fancy restaurant here in Madison, it's like, hey, we want our appetizer now. If you didn't take our drink order in 30 seconds, we're you know we're giving you a bad four-star review on Yelp instead of a five-star review. It's our idea here that we want it now, we want it figured out, and we want it fast. We want to know what it's going to be before we even start. Mm-hmm. That's not the case for the rest of the world. And when we think of things biblically, that's certainly not their case 2,000 years ago in this Eastern culture looking through it through Western eyes. Yeah. That would be my first go at it. What would you guys go? I, th- I think another piece – I, I agree with all that. I think another piece is just um, the divide, right? So they they are dealing with some some huge. We 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 say we deal with divides today, right? Mm-hmm. We'll talk about racism. We'll talk about all these different divides. But but there was a there was a really hard divide between cultures back then as well. Um, and so as Paul's writing, um, and you see a lot of this in the New Testament, even Jesus as he's ministering, he's trying to bridge a gap between cultures mm-hmm. that are in the mix and literally have a no holds barred hate toward one another, right? Yep. Um like they they are bent on we do our thing, you do your thing and there is no there is no fix. And mm-hmm. so Paul Paul's battling this yeah. as he's writing. I think that's another element that we um that's just different. Different. Not that we don't have divides or we don't have to work through relationships, but I think it was just different. That's right. Mm. Yeah. I think uh, if we look at it like over time, it would be one of the things that shapes us is our culture. And we're af- we're after the modernity culture where everything is built around what we can see, sense, like being able mm-hmm. to nail things down into categories or tangible kind of things. And so we're the American culture is highly impacted by that viewpoint that things have to be defined categorically mm-hmm. in these things. And so when we approach the Bible that way, we have to 
we try to find these boxes that things have to fit into mm-hmm. to make sense of. Which, yeah. Which, which we really, then shape what Scripture says based around our culture. We create these mutually exclusive boxes or categories that then right. shape the way we, we then impose Scripture on it rather than Scripture being our lens to how we view right. our culture. Which then makes it very hard to, to interpret a chapter like this, you know, where um, there are things that seem mm-hmm. to contradict one another or, you know, like if, so, well, for instance, I mean, you, you gave several off ramps, uh, you know, in your words for life groups to discuss yesterday. Uh, and, and there were a few things that you said, Hey, this, this would be a good topic for you guys to sort of wrestle with and you're going to find tension in it and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'll just bring up one, but you know, so, so how is it, this was your question. How how is it that God can still find fault when He is the one? You know, we've we've said that He's sovereign, right? That was one of the points. In fact, it was the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, so, before you, do, what does sovereign mean? Like we used it's a church. Like what does that actually mean? Yeah. So sovereignty is this idea that God is is all knowing over all course, time, and space. So okay. so God knows everything before, during, and after. Right. He creates. He sustains. He holds. And all of that, God. God is bigger and greater than all things. Okay. Mm, yeah. Okay. So he's sovereign over all things. He controls all things. Uh, and, and, and we know from the illustration of this chapter, and if you go back to Exodus, um, you know, which was w- one of the illustrations Paul uses, that he hardens hearts, you know, according to his will and his purposes. Um, and he also softens hearts. So he, he has control over our will, which we also have free will, right? So, right. Yeah. but he controls those things. So how can he find fault in someone if he's the one that hardens them toward the things of God? It's a fantastic question. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't, I don't know if you'll find a clean answer, but mm-hmm. I, I do believe part of it is wrapped up in exactly what we just said. He's all knowing, mm-hmm. right? So like this is, is he going to harden someone's heart that would not be hardened? <laughs> like, right. like, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. he already knows. And so, um, yeah. And, and there's, still, there's still a tension in that, right? That's I right. Mean, so. mm-hmm. And the tension's okay, right? So, I, again, I, I think where we live and in, in, in our mindset, we want it cleanly figured out. Mm-hmm. And that's you. Right. We, are, right. we are finite. There is a beginning to us and an end to us. God is infinite. There is no beginning in God. There is no end to God. So it's it's absolutely crazy when we think that a finite being, who we are, could ever understand the mind of an infinite being. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Yet, yet too many times we try to do that. And I think Paul's point here, because although I asked the question, it's Paul's question that he raises in the scripture in verse 19. So why does he still find fault? Who can resist his will? So the next line is, but who are you, O oh man, to answer back to God? Yeah. You're Can the God. molded say to the molder, why did you make me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make the same lump out of one vessel for honorable use and one out of dishonorable use? He doesn't give an answer. Effectively, what he says is, he's God and you're not. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we, we need to understand yeah. the awe and reverence of that and understand that there's going to be a tension. There's going to be a mystery there that has to be okay. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not clean to Sean's point. That's right. And it never will be. Well, his proverb, his ways are not our ways. Lean not on our own understanding. Knowledge of him in all things is going to make straight our paths, right? His way is not our way. His thoughts aren't our thoughts. They're higher, they're better, they're greater. Yeah. And the moment that we start making our thoughts his thoughts, that's when things get dangerous. 
we start to reason for God, and right. that puts us in a bad spot. So, so does our need to, to fit all the things in, in the little boxes, Neil, that you talked about, and for us to have things sort of be figured out cleanly, and, and, and our need to sort of understand those things, does that speak back to sort of the book of Genesis and, and like, yeah. you know, I mean, our, our desire and our, our, our like struggle what? to Yeah, that's it's, it's exactly God. what we, I think we said this last week, it's, it's the desire that we want to be in control. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so ultimately, if, if I push that out, if I go, I want to be in control, what that ultimately says is I want to be God. Um, mm. and, and that was, that was really, you know, Satan's temptation to Adam and Eve. That was their, their bent is that I want to know, I want to be able to think, I want to be in control like God is mm-hmm. like he is, I want to be on, on his level, his mm-hmm. plane. Um, and so that that is the root of all sin is that we desire mm-hmm. to be something that we're not when you think about it in genesis 3 5 that's that's what he says to eve he tempts her with you know your eyes if you eat this god knows your eyes will be opened and you will become like him, like him. and we learn that the that satan our, our the adversary right um knows something about humanity that we don't yet know at the time of that story, which is as an image bearer, he knows that there potentially is a button to be pushed there, which could be kind of cool to discuss, like how does Satan know that Mm -hmm. as an angel, a fallen angel, but Satan just pushes in on that button, that that temptation of this is going to be a core issue for you as an image bearer, that you're going to want to elevate yourself to not just be a reflection of God, but to be equal with in status rather than dependent and submissive. And, man, it, it's the common thing all of us keep, regardless of culture, it's a sinful nature thing mm-hmm. that we just keep on trying to be independent of God rather than intimately dependent upon him. And as I listen to it, I mean, it feels like the core issue. You right. know, it's like, you know, we want to be in control. That's like, exactly right. You know, and it, it, the root of most of the things that we've been talking about yeah. studying through Romans, I mean, it, you know, comes That's from, it. stems from that. And for me, as as I have journeyed with the Lord, and and I know the depths of of my wicked heart, and I think some of the worst part and some of the stuff that I still hate in me, is that even on my best day and the days that I feel most connected to God, it is only a shade away from ask like like wanting to worship Him or or to honor Him mm-hmm. in hopes that He's then going to give me what I want, mm-hmm. um, which isn't too far still from that. Right, you know, I, I, I want to. Maybe I understand that I can't be him, but maybe there's a thought in me him? that I can control him by the way that I love him. Can I manipulate him by mm-hmm. my affection towards him and my words towards him or my, my religion? My religion, him? yeah, right. my, my obedience in that. Yeah. And if and if I do right enough, then then surely he's got to to come up and, and bless the life that I want, uh, as opposed to the the total surrender. This would be the opposite. I think the more healthy side, total surrender. Say, Lord, this life is yours. Whatever you see fit, you can do. You are the molder. I am the molded. You are the you, you are the 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 maker. You are the potter, and I'm the clay. Um, but again, that that's just confessional. Like, hmm. even though in redemption, even though walking with the Lord, and I would even say on days that I feel close to Him and loving Him and right right standing with Him, there I'm, I'm not too far away from. I wonder if I can get something out of Him. I wonder if I can make hmm. Him bless me and and do this for me. And and if we're not wise in this culture, guys, 
you just you know close your eyes and open your ears and and listen to the messages being preached and taught hmm. and I, and I think that's a great fear right so there's a whole we didn't even get into this in our pre-show notes um but I think the one of the greatest fears I have as a pastor is we are ministering in an age where there are so many people wanting to give their opinion or their thoughts disconnected from covenant relationship with their church family, right? And I think when we understand biblical community, mm-hmm. the way that they lived life was together. Uh, go, going back to Acts 2 model, that when the Holy Spirit came and made them born again, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the breaking bread, the prayers, and to fellowship, and they attended the temple together daily, and the Lord added their number of those to be saved. But the idea is they did life together. They knew each other. They knew the people speaking truth. The people that were speaking truth knew the people they were speaking to. We live in a place that that's, that's not the same. So if you are not careful, you will hear a prosperity message. You will hear a, a God wants you to be healthy and wealthy. God wants you to, to have all of these things. I have a prophetic word for you today. I, have, I want to speak this word over you. Even And listen, I'm preaching to the choir right here. We have Mike, our, our worship leader right here. We, we Even sometimes the songs that could potentially be sung is, you know, it's only all good and it's only God only wants great things for you. Man, that's different than what the Bible teaches. God does most of his great work sovereignly through our sorrow, through our pain, through our anguish, through, through hard season, right? And so anyway, when we come to things like this, I think the fearful thing is, we can manipulate God and make him give us all the good stuff. We only want the good. And and that's Paul's point here, man. Who who are we to tell him what we want, to declare mm. this is what we're going to have? And it's as if that was a lot of arrogance to stand up before him and to do that. I would, as you were talking just now, uh, thinking through Philippians 2 and the idea of <laughs> me, I'll say me, I, I would, if I'm not careful, I will assume that God wants me to be blessed and be comfortable, mm-hmm. um, pain-free, or painless. When in fact, if I looked at the exact example that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit chose to redeem creation was through suffering, mm-hmm. through a cross where Jesus empties himself of status, not his Godhead, but empties himself of every right, um, honor that he had, says, I'm gonna trade those in mm-hmm. to wrap myself in flesh, suffer, Take all the wrath of the Father on me. Yep, that's the road. That's 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 what we're going to do. Why would we expect that we as Christ followers would not follow the same path? That's right. That includes suffering and discomfort and pain. Yeah, like that's especially as Jesus even told us we would. Yeah, we would take that on. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so I, I want to jump in because we're. I mean, we're getting short on our time here, but. Uh, I think it was Neil. I think you raised the question uh, and and wanted to sort of explore this idea of uh, distinguishing between Israel, uh, sort oh, of yeah. believing uh, because that they inherited the covenant and the promise because of their heritage, yeah. right? And how that equates to us in the church today. Can you can you yeah, talk yeah. a little more about so, that? So quickly, I think I resonate with the idea of of a Pharisee in some ways and of a a religious Jew who would have grown up doing all the sacrifices, doing all the feasts, and th- believing that those things were what um, proved my worth to God, and in many ways would have said, okay, because I'm doing these things, 
God, then the way you've communicated this, I am now blessed. And could have done those things and never demonstrated faithfulness, um, repentance or faithfulness, really. Mm -hmm. And so I think for those of us in the church, we may grow up in the church our whole lives and think, I'm doing what what I was told to do. This is how my parents raised me. This is what I'm, I'm doing the things, right? Speaks to that like cultural Christianity. And we would assume that, that then that gives us yeah. um, approval from God, that we're pleasing mm -hmm. God through those things rather than through actual faithful belief. Mm. And it's dangerous for me growing up in the church because it's wrapped in a religious framework mm -hmm. and customs and traditions rather than Holy Spirit responsiveness or dependence. Yeah. Yeah. I Even in that, like there's this, I think about the words we use, but then I also have this picture, right? Um, in that we'll even, going back, if I do these things, then God, like I can control him. So we'll even use words like, I believe, I said the prayer, I walked the aisle, I'll, mm -hmm. I did these things, God, so you owe me something. In, instead of this picture, and I, and I really I really believe he kind of wraps it up and I'm laying a, the last verse, behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. And it's not just the words given or the religious practice. It is this, it is this picture of brokenness that I, like, I have nothing to give. Mm -hmm. I, like, I'm completely broken. I'm done for. My trust is in what God can do. Um, and and to me, that's, that's really when Paul's aiming this passage toward the Jewish people, um, toward Israel, they, they have become dependent on what they were doing right. instead of looking to the God who can save them mm -hmm. um, to see that they, they could bring nothing. And, um, and him reminding them it's always been about what you couldn't do. Like, so Isaac, if I, if I look through all those things, the examples, he keeps pointing back to it's about faith. Not not the word faith, but the the brokenness, the dependence, dependence yeah, that dependence. comes through faith that says, I, I really am the, I'm just the clay. Mm -hmm. And so only only the maker can save me. That's right. Um I trust so, what God has planned mm -hmm. for me, what he has declared for me. Back to Genesis three. Right. God had declared, decreed, this is what I want for you. Mm -hmm. And we chose, we got distracted. Mm -hmm. You see Jesus reclaim that in the temptation in the wilderness, but yeah. All right. So I want to go back to something real quick uh, in, in verse 13, because I imagine this is a question that comes up for a lot of people as they read this passage. And, and you, you, did, you did reference it on, on Sunday, Josh, uh, but uh, you know, this is the whole idea where it talks about uh, Jacob and Esau, and it says, Jacob I loved but Esau I hated. Mm -hmm. And so can, let's, let's talk about for a minute about like, right. What does he, what's he really mean there? You know, I mean, does he really hate Esau or, you know, sure. let's, let's yes. delve into that a little bit. I, I think talk a little more about Jewish idiom too. Yeah, like that's that. Right. And so, yeah, go ahead. Idiom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so like a figure of speech. Mm -hmm. So, um, firstborn was primary, like that was a big deal. Like so, they were they were dependent on the firstborn. Mm -hmm. Like Esau's the firstborn, so he gets it. Like he, um, 
he it's owed him, so to speak. Ooh, that's and it's good. and it's a yeah. play on that where Paul's writing, Hey, Jacob, I loved Esau, I hated is it's flipping that on its head mm-hmm. to go and it's it's really not about his position. It's really about who God is. And so um, so it's it's kind of a play on words. Somebody else even brought up in life group that they were reading through some translation that um, a lot of times it's not even translated hate even. Like that whole we, we kind of take that word hate um, and go, look, this is two ends of the spectrum. But they said a lot of translations even lean into the idea that Jacob I loved, Esau I loved less, um, which is a, once again a play on the firstborn issue, right? That the firstborn's owed something. Mm-hmm. But um, so I think that's one thing is Paul's trying to flip the idea on his head, right? Uh, a, a figure of speech and then whatever you want to add to that. Yeah. And, you know, he's, he's quoting. He didn't pull it out of the air. He's quoting Genesis 25. Um, so effectively, God said that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as that is written down, the, that's what's understood. And I think what is important is Jesus speaks that very same language when he talks about following him. What is it going to take? And he says, you know, if, if you don't hate your mother and father, your brother and sister, then you can't follow me. And the, the idea isn't you got to hate them, go home mm-hmm. and, you know, dis- to despise them. The idea is if, if your love for Christ isn't so focused, so so devoted to him that it looks like everything else is, is a distant second. Like mm-hmm. I loved, I love those things less. Mm-hmm. Then we've missed the whole point because yeah. our devotion to Christ isn't uh, a little bit, or it isn't uh, supplementary. It is all or nothing. Like like we are either in or we're not. We love him as the Lord, or we're not. I mean, I, I remember, I can't remember who said it. it. Was one of the old old head preachers. Uh, either Christ is Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's this idea of total devotion to him. Yeah. We get that same picture here, um, that we want to say that the issue, going back to the whole thing of Jacob and Esau, we want to say that Esau sold his birthright, and he did. But the point that Paul is making is, hey, this decision was made before they were born. born. It just played out in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's how it's going to happen. Now, again, we didn't get into this on Sunday, but I think it's worth talking about when you get into the idea of how does election work? Functionally, what does predestination look like played out? Well, we knew before they were born, at least what the scriptures tell us, is it was already decided that that Jacob was going to get the birthright and Esau was not going to have it. Well, they're born who gets the birthright. Esau gets it. But when it came down to getting the blessing from their dad, there was this whole deceiver and Jacob and even – and that's the crazy thing. A lot of times now we'll look back and say, well, Jacob must have been an upstanding guy to get Mm-mm. this birthright. Mm-mm. Dude, he tricked his dad, stole from his brother, and his mom was in on the whole shady bit. Like the whole thing's crazy. But God is using even even brokenness, even their sinfulness for something to give him glory. Like that that's how all of this stuff's playing out. When we try to figure it out, we're going to come up short and we're going to make it messy. When we say, God's doing something. I don't know it. I don't know it completely. I can see some of it. I can see what it tells me. But I have to trust that God is bigger than me and his plan is better than my plan. That's where we start to understand a little bit better of of God's sovereignty and how this whole thing's going to play out. So, yes, Esau sold his birthright for a cup of soup. But it happened way, way, way before that kitchen, way before they were born. I think the other, like, so if I fast forward in that same story, right? So if I keep going down the path, mm-hmm. Jacob and Esau, like the realization of all of that has not even come to come to bear on Jacob's life. 
until that's right later on he he wrestles with God and God gives him a new name which, which is? would not be a family name that's right so it's not tied to his family it's not tied to the birthright it's it's who God has called him to be mm-hmm. Israel Israel that's right and um and so even when I look back at Jesus's teaching it was so entrenched in the culture that my who I am what I do, my position in society is based through my family mm-hmm. and through what I do. And and we have a tendency to do the same thing today, but Jesus is saying, no, no I I want you to be defined by who I say you are. That's right. Um, and so I, I think I think that's the thing to pay attention to in, in the cultural nuances of, of Scripture is that in that day, their identity was found in family. Mm-hmm. And even in the story of Jacob— his identity was about getting that birthright, mm. but it really wasn't about that. It was about who God wanted him to be yeah. and who God had defined him to be. And God chooses him and says, you are Israel. That's right. you know? yeah. um, and so so I think to not forget that. Um, mm, that's good. That's good. And you used the word idiom today. That that was the word for the day, I think. Idiom. Um, three for three, Sean. You're Sean, you have a proclivity well, for using the word idiom. Whoa, yeah. big word. Style. I also have to point out that Neil used the word modernity. 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 I still don't. I thought that was like the COVID shot. What? I was like, did you say maternity? What, what did you? Um, <laughs> Who's having a baby? So, uh, what does modernity mean, Neil? So there's a period of time that I think ends 1940-ish. Oh, boy. Of just thinking. The thinking changed for that. Hmm. For those decades and decades of thinking like became all about factual things and how we oh. viewed i think industrial revolution re- yeah that kind of stuff mm. i think that's my best understanding yeah. of it i like it there you go sounds good i just saw uh, chase over there googling <laughs> chase so let me one one question though like how do you guys see either yourselves or the current church being tempted in the same way that the nation of israel would have been to view status and how do you see, how do you guys see that playing out in yourselves mm-hmm. as pastors and or how do you see that playing out in the church what's a common application of that that we we might need to be aware of mm. well for me and we'll get into it actually this coming week in, in 10 mm. um, Paul's going to say the end of the law is Christ mm. but too often and what he's contrasting is too often we see ourselves at the end of the law where, right. where we, if we do enough and we do it rightly enough, mm-hmm. at the end we're like, yes, I've run the race and I'm the champion of the race. Well, at the end of the race, Christ is the champion. That, that's essentially mm-hmm. what he is mm-hmm. saying. Uh, and so fast forward even a couple of more weeks, you get to Romans 12, we have to continually renew our mind because we are going to have to fight this battle until we get to the next side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. for me, that's it, of, of yeah. thinking in my religious mode that somehow it's about me. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, right. in my confessional, I go, somehow I can... And my good and my try hard and my do enough, God's going to give me something cool out of it. Right. Yeah. It's, it's the whole idea of I'm owed something. Yep. Yeah. 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 Well, guys, uh, hey, before we wrap up, there, there was a uh, uh, resource that you mentioned that might be uh, helpful for people that might yes. be struggling with things they see in this the chapter. Meat, the meat thermometer is what you – that the that is a meter plus. It is a thing. great resource. Probably not helpful for this chapter, <laughs> but very helpful if you're looking to smoke some meat. So. Hear me out. I think you can pray a lot while you're waiting on meat to smoke. So there's, there's that whole so you, can, you can read this resource as you're waiting. 
<laughs> and uh, so, uh, and the title of the book is Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God, right? Yes. Yep. J.I. Uh, Packer, uh, he is an incredible theologian, um, probably leans a lot more into the Reformed Calvinistic side, but I think what a lot of people who live there uh, struggle with him is he's very clear, God is 100% sovereign. And man has responsibility of free will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he would kind of give this illustration of, of looking, imagine yourself standing, and, and I don't know if you guys have ever had this uh, uh, opportunity. I know we did in Picayune because there was a railroad track that ran right through Picayune, and we used to play on it all the time. Um, whole other story for a whole other day, smushing pennies to see what you would get. Yeah. Found out later that's against the law. <laughs> yeah. Got a lot of smush pennies from it. But anyway. Barring yeah, no the train, is showing up at barring our barring no train on the tracks. <laughs> if you were to stand in the middle of that, you know that those train tracks don't intersect; that they have to go straight. Okay, but if you look far enough, you will see that right where you're standing, they're distanced, but they're equal. Okay, and they go and go and go. But if you look far enough down, it looks like they start to come together, mm-hmm. and then they, they meet. And yes. what Jeb Packer would say in that book is, that is where God lives for us. We live right here in the here and now of mm-hmm. sovereignty, and we live in free will. Like, Between the like tracks. They're, they're right there, and that's where we're going to live. But if you look down and you keep your eyes on the horizon, you see not those two things, but you see God and his glory. Mm. And so we live between it's those two picture. things, and we live there. Mm. Yeah. Great read, shorter book, fantastic. Wow. Good. So there you go. People, you go. go pick it up. Evangelism and the sovereignty of God. That that's was right. way more helpful than the smoke and meat thing. But to be fair, you can get the Meter Plus and Evangelism Sovereignty God on Amazon. <laughs> just, not, just not together as a package. You might could. Yeah. You know, it, it yeah. might say, uh, what does it say? Right. Customers also bought this. Yeah. If you look at mine, you'll see definitely both of those together. <laughs> That's good. Uh, all right. Well, guys, uh, great discussion today. Uh, we're wrapping up That's just awesome. in time. And so um, thank you for being here. And as always, it's a pleasure. Love you guys. Love you guys. Yep. Yep. Have a great week. This has been a production of Broadmoor Baptist Church. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with others and don't forget to subscribe. To help us spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe as well. They can find us wherever they prefer to get their podcasts. And if you'd like more information about Broadmoor, please visit our website at broadmoor.org or connect with us on your favorite social media platform where we're listed as at mybroadmoor. Thanks for listening.